Thanks, Amy. Well, good morning. If I've never met you before, <clears throat> my name is David Smith. And this week, uh, this past week around Monday, I felt like God gave me a verse to share with our church. And that feels like to me, just like something bubbling up on the inside of my heart, inside my mind. And so just in a step of faith, I'm going to share it. Psalm 84 verse 10 says, better is one day in your courts, God, in God's courts, than a thousand elsewhere. Now, the next risk I'm gonna take is that Scott and Tricia Insko, I think this word's for you guys. I could be completely wrong. And if you wanna turn around and leave right now, you totally can. But I feel like the Lord just wanted me to encourage you guys today that you have chosen to be in the Lord's house for him to be your resting place. As we all know here, there's a thousand other places we can go to, to put our hope, our comfort and our peace. And I've seen both of you for 20 years continue to go to the courts of the Lord, to dwell in his presence when you could have chosen a hundred other things. You've stayed faithful the whole time through. So that's what I feel like the Lord had me to share. You can just, if you hate Psalm 84, you can just tear that up, throw it away. But uh, I just feel like God wanted me to share that with you. I love you guys and uh, take it or leave it. So there you have it. They're good people. Give them a... Round of applause, I guess. So, um, but a lot of times when we talk about hearing from the Lord, like for me, it, it's not an audible thing. It's just something inside my heart. And so I have a decision to make. Am I going to share it or not? So thank you for bearing with me because that's a great stretch in my own faith just to get up here and say, I think this is for them. Didn't say thus said the Lord, but I think this is what he has. Now, Speaking of that, this Everyday Encounter weekend, as Amy said, we've never done this before, was talking to our staff team and we were kind of just reviewing, why are we doing this? And here's what I would add. I would say we're doing this to write a love letter to Jesus. You guys all have loved ones in your life and you know your journey of loving them is long obedience in the same direction. But every now and then on a birthday or on a holiday, what do you do? You write them a letter you send them a longer text or maybe a card in the mail and you take that extra little moment to just say, in case you have forgotten, I love you, you're a priority to me and I want, to, I want you to know that this expression of my love is real and it's authentic. That's what we're doing. We're just kind of going off the normal path a little bit for a weekend and we're just writing a love letter to God. There's no measurables, there's no agenda. And so if one of you shows up, that's enough because what we're gonna be doing for this weekend is we're ministering to the Lord. We're not ministering to one another necessarily, which there will be prayer teams and things like that. And we do hope for you this breakthrough and there's revival and there's steps in the right direction. But the idea of this weekend is that we're going to set aside some extended time to please the person of Jesus. I love you guys, but it's not about pleasing the people of North Star. This is a weekend where we write a love letter, aiming, hoping to please the heart of our father, not because he needs it, but because we just love him. And so just wanted to throw that out there. And again, like Amy said, if you can only make the Friday night or the Saturday portion, doesn't matter. But I should encourage everyone to think about, can you show up for a little bit? And let's write this letter to the Lord and just together convey our love for who he is. Um, all right. So that's it. Let me jump into the message. And about a month ago, uh, my wife, Emily, and I took our firstborn to college. And uh, emotionally, it's pretty brutal. Like a lot of you warned me of it, but it was like, wow, I felt that. Now I didn't make it easier on myself because the night before I woke up at 1 a.m., went downstairs into a 
completely dark living room, opened up the family computer, and I went through all the family photos I can find. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> Newborn, five, 10 years old, 15, not a smart move. Now, thankfully, I got bailed out because eventually I ran into some old North Star pictures. And these are from about 15 years ago. We were over at the Loveland Middle School. Look at the first picture behind me. This is from one of our first Turkey Fest outreaches. We could not get into the building or any building, so we had hosted outside in the parking lot, rain or shine. I think you can see my son, Evan, is the little one right between the turkey meals. That's two years old. Not making it any easier, but thank you. Next picture is Saturday morning missions around that same time. There's Greg Kinnake, our care center director. You may recognize him. And as I'm looking at these pictures, uh, as much as I love those pioneering times of North Star, I'm having some mixed emotions, if I'm honest. And the reason why is because during that time period, about 15 years ago, I was in a season where I really, really loved ministry, but I only liked God. Like I loved the ministry, but I really probably only liked God. And what I mean by that is God and I had a very conditional relationship. Like I would only pray to God when the emergencies came in and I would only praise God when the emergency prayers were answered. It was just a very, very conditional relationship. I love the ministry, but I liked God. And so as I am sitting there that night, going through all of these different pictures, like it was painful. And I'm not talking about the Evan stuff. I've moved on to North Star now. And the reason why it was painful is because I was reflecting back on those years of shallow spirituality. There was a sense of like, there was something I missed out. And it's okay, because we're all in the process of growing. So I wasn't like flogging myself, but it was painful. But even though it was a bit uncomfortable to look at some of those pictures, to think back at those times where I was with the Lord, it was also really good for me. Because in that moment, in that dark room, looking at the pictures on the laptop, I was being reminded of an all-important lesson that I was learning all over again. And that lesson was simply this. David, why do you praise God? Why do you praise him? And for me, it was perfect timing. On the eve of my son transitioning and moving on, that was a reminder I needed in that moment. Why do I praise God? And so the answer to that question we're going to get to in about 10 minutes. But a few weeks left in our Healthy Church series, what I want to let you guys know is that today the whole topic is, so a healthy church should actually be a group of people that never stops learning. And so as long as we're on this side of heaven and we're following Jesus, what that means is that we never, we never arrive and there's always more. Now that's not just a good bumper sticker, that's actually pretty good theology. There's two big words I wanna share with you today. One is justification, the other one is sanctification. What justification means is that if you've given your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior who died on the cross, for your sins and rose again to offer you eternal life and you've received that gift, you've been justified. The judge has thrown down the gavel. He looks at Jesus and says, thank you for paying this price for going to the cross for their sin. And he looks at us and says, you are free. I'll see you all throughout eternity. 
That's a justification of our soul. And so the people being baptized today, they've already said yes. They've already experienced that justification. Now, after that moment, that one-time decision is what we call sanctification. It's us living the rest of the days of our earthly life, growing and becoming more like Jesus. So we should always be experiencing that sanctification process and journey. And so the idea of sanctification is that if you're following Jesus, you never stop growing and you never stop learning. That's the idea. Until we take our last breath, we will never ever arrive. There is always more to learn. And so as we go through the Psalms, not just in our reading plan, but also through this series, we see this truth come up over and over again through the life of King David. What you'll notice in the Psalms is that King David takes these different moments to pause, look back in his past, no matter how painful it is, so he can prepare himself a little bit better for the future. Let's look at one of those real quick, Psalm 51. Now, before we even jump into a verse in Psalm 51, there's this title that tells us so much. It says right there before verse one, it says, this was written when the prophet Nathan came to King David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. You guys may know this story. David is on top of his roof of the palace. He's a little bored. The army's off fighting. He's back home. And he notices this woman bathing outside named Bathsheba. He's drawn to her and he tells his men, hey, go get Bathsheba for me. I want to spend the evening with her. Now Bathsheba is a married woman, but he's the king. So it doesn't matter. Any thoughts she has is overridden, unfortunately. She comes to David, they spend the evening together and she ends up being pregnant. The problem is, is that her husband Uriah is one of the most loyal soldiers in David's army. So what does David do? He has Uriah killed kind of accidentally on the battlefield and then he can take Bathsheba as his wife. Not a great moment for the king to say the least. Nathan hears from the Lord what David has done. The prophet goes to David, calls him out. David repents, confesses his sin, repairs the relationship with the Lord and moves forward the best that he can. And Psalm 51 is part of that healing process. He's actually writing a Psalm about the greatest mistake in his life. And as we get to verse three, what do we find? That David has learned so much by looking back to the past. Here's what he says. For I know my transgressions. I know what I've done wrong and my sin is always before me. The two lessons he's learning, number one, is that this is a transgression. What I did with Bathsheba was wrong. And so even the king of God's chosen people can't break the law. If you break the law, I don't care how important you are. I don't care if you're king. God is going to know. Lesson number one. Lesson number two is that David realizes, even though my relationship with the Lord has been repaired, sin will still ever be before me. As long as there is breath in our lungs, I don't care how spotless and blameless you may feel in your life right now, that trap of sin is always before us. Don't walk on eggshells, but keep your guard up. Two lessons that he immediately learns looking back on the biggest mistake of his life. And this isn't easy, right? I mean, has anybody ever asked you to do that in your own life? Hey, let's take a few minutes looking back at one of the biggest shortcomings of your life and let's study it like students. Let's break it down, let's put it on the whiteboard. But if we can do that, there is so much, so much for us to learn. And so on the schedule for today, 
was supposed to be me giving you guys a talk about living a lifestyle of learning. And I'm sure there'd been some quippy statement that kind of rhymed, but kind of didn't. And then we'd all leave feeling like, all right, I'm gonna go learn. And we'd be a healthy church. And I felt like God said, just scrap that. And so we're not gonna have that talk today. Hopefully you understand that point and it can penetrate your heart to some degree. What I felt like God said is, I want you just to share a little bit more about that lesson you were reminded of during that late night drive down memory lane, sitting there at that computer. And I think the reason why God wants me to talk about that today, because it's not just a lesson I learned, it's a lesson I'm still learning today. It's a lesson I'm still struggling with. And I just need to be reminded of over and over again. So if this has no positive bearing on your life, just know it's doing something good for me. So, okay. All right. Selfish Sunday. Let me pray. We'll jump into it. So Father, thank you so much just for what you're teaching us, that we're always growing. We're always learning in you. So open up our minds to what you have. Lord, I pray for our hearts. Lord, but just be soft to your voice. Take out my words, my agenda, my voice. Anything that's from me, Lord, just make it disappear. We wanna hear from you and you alone. It's in your name we pray, amen. All righty, open up to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 is really the backbone to one of the most important lessons I've ever learned in my life. Psalm 96 was most likely read during the dedication of the second Israelite temple. The first dedication was a rave. It was quite a party if there was ever a party. They are sacrificing so many animals as a worship. They can't count them. All the people seem to be there. The glory of God's filling the place. And it is, I mean, wild would be an understatement, but it's all positive, it's all good. But when we come to this second temple, it's a different scene. The Israelites are now a weak remnant. They've come back from their exile in Babylon. In Babylon. And as they are there, they are also realizing we are now surrounded by all these foreign enemies that surround Jerusalem every side. And so there's a little fear, there's a little hesitation. The party doesn't seem as grand. Not only that, but you've got some older folks who remember the first temple. And as they dedicate the second one, which is much smaller, less impressive, they actually start weeping, not out of joy. I mean, talk about mood killers, but they're like, this isn't even a shadow of what we once had. How great has been our fall. And so it is a somber moment, but despite the smaller temple, despite the weak remnant that is now Israel. Psalm 96 commands us to declare God's glory among the nations, almost like I don't care how bad you feel. I don't care that the temple's not big enough. I don't care that there's enemies surrounding us. I don't care if you consider yourself a weak remnant. Declare the glory of God among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Now to declare is to state something emphatically. You don't whisper it, you don't keep it to yourself. And he says, declare it not just to your own people, but to the surrounding nations who won't understand, who may scoff at you and may attack you. But here's the key of the entire Psalm. Go back and read it today in Psalm 96. The key is this. Notice that it doesn't say declare God's glory because of his marvelous works. It doesn't say because he returned the remnant. He doesn't say because he created the heavens. He only mentions the marvelous works. So they point back to the glory of God. He says, glory, declare the glory of God for these reasons. Verse four, because great is the Lord. He's greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. What it's saying is I want you to emphatically declare this truth. 
to not just your own people, but to the nations for these four reasons. Number one, God is great. There is no one else like him. Number two, God is worthy, which means only he is deserving of our praise. Number three, God is to be feared, which says that only he is sovereign. And number four, the idols are worthless. Only God truly satisfies. Here's what an idol is if you don't know. An idol is anything in our life outside of God that we make the supreme being of our existence. So even if your kids are making straight A's and your spouse has never made a mistake and your job has been perfect from day one, if that is the supreme being in our life, that thing is an idol. That doesn't mean your spouse is horrible. That doesn't mean your best friend is trouble. It just means we put the wrong thing on the throne of our heart. Psalm 115 gives a little more detail about just how worthless idols can be. It says this in verse five to six, they, the idols, they have mouths, but guess what? They don't speak. They have eyes, but they don't even see. Yeah, sure, they've got ears, but they don't hear. And they have noses, but they do not smell. Now this context in which it was written was during a time period where these were considered the idols of the day. You'll see behind me these two statues and one was made, maybe made out of metal. The other one was made out of wood. And these idols would serve as things that the people would worship. And they'd engrave the eyes and the nose and the mouth and you would put it on your mantle and you would worship it. You would actually bow down to these things, which sounds ridiculous to us. Because as much as you love your iPhone, you're probably not praying to it, right? And if you are, let's just talk afterwards, just for a few minutes, just got a minute. You're probably not praying to any of the household objects, but where we can relate when it comes to idols, no matter what time period they come from, what we have to understand is that an idol is gonna look really useful at first. It's gonna look really useful. And you start getting tempted to think to yourself, if I put this on the throne of my heart, okay, it may actually help me. So maybe if I make my job the king of my life, maybe it'll help me get those riches and reputation I've always wanted. Or maybe if I put my child on the throne of my heart, you know what, maybe at last I'll be able to redeem my own childhood trauma. Or if I put my job, right, on the throne of my life. I already said job, didn't I? <laughs> Wife. But the other example actually is just important if I put this politician on the throat of my heart, right? Then at last I can live in peace. I love our country, you guys know. You should vote, you should participate in our democracy. But isn't this like the Achilles heel of our country right now? We have to stop looking and depending on the political systems to save, right? Participate, vote, get involved, yes, all of that but Jesus is the only one that should be on the throne of our hearts because if it's anything else, it will prove to be an idol. So the heart of Psalm 96 is simply this, that God is the one true living God. And so if we make anything else a small G God that we worship, it will prove to be a worthless idol because the idols didn't create the heavens. The idols didn't form you in your mother's womb. The idols don't bring eternal life and the idols will not satisfy your soul. But what an idol will do is it will be relentless in telling you, I will. I will satisfy your soul. And that is a lie.
So we declare God's glory, not just when the prayer is answered, not just when the relationship is redeemed, not just when the sickness is healed, but we declare his glory always. Because as Psalm 96 reminds us, he is the one true living God. And that is not going to change. And so again, hate to admit it, this is taking me maybe 10 to 15 years to really grasp that when our main reason for declaration is who God is and not just what he is doing, the praise of our life can be constant even when the situations change. Declaring the glory of God should not just be a response of what he does, but it should be a response of who he is. And I understand that's simple. That may sound like Christianity 101, but that is what God is teaching me. That is what I'm learning, and it has changed my life. Because for so long, all I was was a worker for God. But now I get to be a worshiper of God. So much of my life was just doing the work where now I get to declare the glory. And I'm still learning this and it's still difficult for me to grasp, but that's what he's been teaching me. And so I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. I'm gonna invite you guys actually to stand. And we are going to practice building this muscle right now. Because declaring the glory of God for who he is, for a lot of us, it's not an easy thing. Like it's actually a muscle I've had to build over a decade. You guys may know I'm a little more introverted. I'm not always very expressive. So I had to actually work on like, okay, I'm gonna have to practice this. And so we're gonna do that right now. And what I mean by building a muscle, we are going to sing together. We're gonna worship for just about three minutes. And what we're gonna declare is that every other God is an idol and that there is only one true living God. That's all we're asking you to sing. And as you do that, some of you may declare it as a confirmation. I already know this, I'm declaring it again. Some of you, it may be a revelation. Like, I didn't know this truth before today. I know it now, I'm declaring it for the first time. And praise God if that's you. And for some of us, it may be a moment of repentance, declaring, God, I put my hope in these idols, but I'm coming back to you, Jesus, as my King. But whatever your reason for declaration is, my challenge is do so in a way that requires a little extra faith. Now don't force it, but for you, if that's singing out, that takes more faith, do it. If it's raising a hand or putting out of your hands or falling on your knees, I would encourage you to do it. For you, if extra faith is just sitting in your seat, not looking up and just having a quiet moment with God, then do that, whatever it is for you. Hebrews 11:6 says, it is impossible to please God without faith because faith is what we come to him through. Even a mustard seed of faith. Let's see what happens when we try that here today. So let me pray. And we're gonna move to this time of declaration declaring, Lord, that you are the one true living God. And so, Father, whatever faith is looking like in our lives right now, would you just give us more? Give us more, Father. Right now, Holy Spirit, give us more faith to declare the goodness of who you are. Lord, we do thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. But in this moment, Lord, we just say thank you for who you are. You are great. You are worthy of our praise. You are sovereign. And 
Jesus, that is enough. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. There is no other God. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. You shall reign. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. There is no other God. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. You shall reign. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. There is no other God. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. And you shall reign. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. There is no other God. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. And every other God is an idol. You cannot see, you cannot hear. There is one true living God. There is one true living God, every other, every other God is an idol. You cannot see, you cannot hear. There is one true living God, oh, there is one true living God, every other God is an idol. You cannot see, you cannot hear. There is one true living God, oh, there is one true living God, every other God is an idol.
continue our declarations right now through baptism. So I'm gonna ask you guys if you would sit back down. We've got a few baptisms to go through today. So if you're getting baptized, I would encourage you to line up with the first person starting right here on that number two. And we're gonna loop you around. For those who are ready, come on up, come on up. We got a, a few this morning. Now, here's the thing. What these folks, these brave, courageous individuals are gonna to communicate today is that they have already given their lives to Jesus. And so therefore, this is an outward expression of an inward transformation that has already happened. And so when they go down into the water, they're proclaiming, I have died in Christ. And what that means is that his sacrifice on the cross, all of that has begun to not only work in my life in a redeeming justification way, but I am still living that out. And then they come out of the water is that they have joined in his resurrection. They're declaring that I will live forever with God because of my faith in Jesus. And so when they come out, your job is to just erupt with praise. They'll be standing back up in that moment. And so you are not cheering on these individuals. What you're doing is declaring that he is the one true living God. We are thanking him for what he's done in their life. And so what we're going to do is we're gonna hear testimonies from them. So why they've decided to get baptized. I think we're gonna have the junior hires come in as well. I think you guys are just gonna come up front, but if there's any chairs, grab them. But let me grab the microphone. And Sandy, do you wanna go first? Can I put you on the spot? Yeah, all right. And so we're just gonna share who we are, have you come right up here, and why you decided to get baptized. Hello, I'm Sandy Dial. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, for many years, I turned away from God. At the age of 62, I was invited to a local church to worship. When I entered the church, I could feel God's love. I felt as if I were home. I have made God the center of my life since that day. I am being baptized because I want to be born again in Christ. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I am Doug Carley. I gave my life to Christ uh, like 35 years ago on the shore of Lake Saranac in New York, and it was a glorious day that God prepared for me. But since then, there's this, this, this hole that I've just denied in getting baptized, and I've seen so many times where I've said, not now, it's not the right time, or why haven't you done this already? It's embarrassing. You know, just, just uh, all, this, all these truths. And then God just kept on leading me over and over, giving me all these signs. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the, the teaching pastor was talking about it. My small group, there was someone that said the exact same thing that I'm saying today. Why are you waiting? And I just said, I need to be obedient. And today, I'm following through with that. Awesome. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> My name is Claire Graham. I want to get baptized because I want to publicly declare that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, North Star. Uh, my name is Luke Matthews, and um, I grew up in a house that encouraged my relationship with the Lord back in Indiana. And um, 
My parents and my community there, they did a fantastic job of raising me to know the truth. Um, however, when I moved out of my house to uh, Florida, I decided to turn my back against the Lord and make some very poor life decisions that had some consequences down the road. And uh, so moving back to Ohio after that, I was still, I knew the Lord, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. It was all about religion, making sure that I looked right in front of my friends and my family, um, but there was no actual personal relationship there with the Lord. And so um, January, early January of this past year, um, I had a breakthrough moment with one of my good friends. Um, it was like one o'clock in the morning in the, our basement and we were talking and I was just putting up this facade the whole time with everybody that I was pursuing the Lord even though I was living more in addiction and more in sin than I had been at any point before that. And he kind of sat there and called me out um, and because he could see right through it. So just sobbed on his shoulder for like 20 minutes and, and um, through that conversation and through that conviction, just got to have the fire reignited um, and really just kind of flipped a switch and, and actually started pursuing a relationship with the Lord instead of just pursuing all of these religious aspects I had before. And the temptations and everything, the sin, um, it's not like it just disappeared immediately, but instead of trying to um, have my motivation be about religion, through the focusing on the relationship with the Lord, he equipped me um, and is still equipping me to handle that. So I want to be baptized today um, just as a public declaration that I do not serve um, any addiction, success, money, anything like that. Amen. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So. Amen. Uh, hi, my name is Harper Crowley, and... Um, when I first accepted Jesus into my heart, me and my sister and my dad were all in the car, and my dad asked me if um, I knew what it meant to uh, give your life to Jesus, and we had no idea. So, um, so then we repeated the salvation prayer after my dad, and we got saved by Jesus. Um, I, want, I want to get baptized because I want to become a better person that follows Jesus. Hi, my name is Emery Crowley, and uh, I was in the car with my dad and my sister also, and we were asking <laughs> questions uh, about God, and he said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? I said, yes, so we repeated the salvation prayer, and after that, I was really into getting baptized, and I didn't know what it meant, and that time my family was going through a rough time, so that's when I really focused on God and prayed to him. Now that my family's better, I really want to be baptized to make my faith public. Awesome. Awesome. My name is Kayla. I started going to church when I was a baby and I was baptized when I was seven. I didn't know what it meant though. As I got older, I started struggling with my mental health and I felt extremely lost. This went on for a few years. In February of this year at the winter retreat, I finally accepted Jesus. I wanna get baptized because I'm ready to show everyone I've accepted Jesus into my heart. Awesome, praise God, thank you. All right. So now it's your turn. So you guys stand up and they're gonna, as they get baptized, your job is to celebrate, applaud, and declare the glory of God in this place. And if you have never been baptized and you're feeling a tug on your heart right now, we would love for you to come down, find myself or Cody, 
and uh, we can we can get you baptized today. So let's worship, let's praise the Lord, and when you guys are ready. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger than the King of glory, the King above all kings? the whole earth with holy thunder and he's as breathless in all in wonder the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is a friendly love that you would take my grace that you would bear my cross
set free, there's no turning back testimony which every testimony was fantastic but you what you do there is you were operating in faith sharing some hard stuff and that just lifts the faith in this entire room and you weren't the only one it mostly a lot of you guys shared stuff that wasn't easy and I just want you to know that is a gift the Lord's going to use 
to bless us, to honor us. And so just thanks to everybody who was baptized today. So let me let me close with one more prayer. Father, we just we love you. We just are overwhelmed by your goodness and your grace. And so I just pray for everybody that was baptized here today, Lord. Like would the journey from this moment forward be even sweeter with you, Lord, whatever that means. And so, Father, just overwhelm us. Bring breakthrough. Bring revival. Bring a love for you that we have never experienced before. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. We have communion prayer teams up here if you want on the way out. If not, have a great week. We love you. God bless.